Hello. Welcome to the Wine of Life podcast. This is Wes. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about madness. Now, I want to make sure everybody understands we're not talking about mental uh, health issues. We're not talking about mental disabilities. We're talking about uh, what the Bible describes as a type of madness in Second Peter. So I'm going to go to Second Peter 2, and I'm going to read this. This is one of the greatest um, verses in the New Testament. This is why you... Um, why you read uh, the King James Version, um, along with Micah 12. This is a great verse. I'm going to read 2 Peter 2, 15 and 16. And it says, um, talking about people who've turned away from God, it says, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. And so in this case, madness is viewed from a different way than, say, a mental health issue or uh, a mental disability. The way that madness is spoken of, uh, Peter here uses the word paraphrenia. And that is, uh, uh, phrenia has to do with a good action that goes towards a good end. In um, Aristotle... In his book, the Nicomachean Ethics, however you say that word, but his ethics book, you'll know it when you see it. Um, In book six, it talks about um, action where you create things, which he places, um, he uses the word Sophia for, and then actions that are practical types of wisdom. Uh, Phrenesis is in that that mold. So it's something that uh, you already know where you're going to go. All right, so it has a good end towards it, and then you perform good actions to achieve that good end. But the word para means being beside oneself, or being beside or being beyond. So what the word here is for Peter is um, paraphrenesis, or paraphrenia, is the word of being beside your own mind, being outside of yourself, going to the wrong end. Um, that's the way, or an abnormal end. So you're going beyond what's good, you're going beside yourself, with regards to what you're supposed to be doing. So in this way, he points out that sin itself is not something that's natural to the person, right? When we think about being being fallen, we think about us being separated from God because we're born dead in our spirit. We're born dead in our sins. But that is not the reason why God made us. God made us to be in uh, union with him, in communion with him, and to be partaking in who he is. And what he is. So it's going in the wrong direction against the very purpose of nature itself. That is what um, Balaam was involved in. Now I want to give you a little bit of the backstory of Balaam here. In Numbers 22, um, he wanted to go with these guys. He wanted to um, help out these Moabites who wanted to curse Israel. And so he, Balaam was a prophet that was not an Israelite, but he was a man who was able to see the visions of the Most High. And um, he was told that Israel would actually be blessed. And so every time he tried to curse them, it didn't work out. So the king of Moab, of Moab said, why don't you just come? I'll give you money. I'll make you rich and so on and so forth. So when we start at verse 15 in chapter 22 of the book of Numbers, um, 
we see that Balak, the king of the Moabites, had sent more people to come see him. So it says, And Balak sent yet again princes, more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam, and they said, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee to a very great honor. I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. So he declared that the Lord was actually his God. That word Lord is Yahweh there. So he's talking about the one true God is actually his God. So he says, Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. And God came unto Balaam and said, If men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that thou shalt do. So God actually told him he could go. This is an interesting part of this story. So Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass, and he went with the princes of Moab, and God's anger was kindled because he went. So God was not stopping him from going and actually said, well, you can go. But he didn't want him to go. He didn't want him to go. And just because God allows us to do certain things doesn't mean that we ought to go. And this points again to the fact that Balaam had a choice with, with regards to whether to go the right way or to not go the right way. And so uh, he, God's anger was kindled against him because he went, and the Lord, uh, the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and the sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went to the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself unto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place. And there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. And he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. And she said unto Balaam, what have I done unto thee that thou hast spit me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would, there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am I not thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was uh, thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, No. And then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head, and he fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. So, I think this is interesting, because even nature itself was trying to tell Balaam that he's going the wrong way, right? The donkey was not going to go this way, because it would lead to Balaam's death. So the, the, the donkey was trying whatever it could, so nature was trying to stop him. And then a supernatural action occurred, and this still did not stop Balaam. And it wasn't until God opened his eyes and he saw the, uh, the angel of the Lord standing there with the sword. And God said that the way that you're going is perverse unto me. It's something that's totally against me. And the ass saw me, and he turned me away these three times. And unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her life. 
And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeased me, I will get me back again. And I think this is interesting, too, that Balaam does not get angry at God for saying, you told me I could go. Right. The night before, he said, well, you can go, but just tell them the word that I say. Balaam doesn't make that argument. He realizes that God allowing us to do something does not necessarily make it right. And so it shows us that nature can show us what's right. Like there's aspects of nature that can tell us that what we're trying to do is, in fact, wrong. And God has even gone even beyond that in that God has done supernatural things here on earth that we have, according to his word here that we can read about and see and experience ourselves, and yet we still seem to consistently go against the way of God. We go in a perverse manner. And this is what the Bible describes as madness. So us being perverse in the way of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee shalt thou speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And we know where this led. When we read from um, Joshua thirteen twenty two, he he in fact got he didn't he wasn't able to curse Israel, but he was able to send the women of Moab into the camp of Israel and got the men then to worship false idols, and this led to a great cursing that came upon the Israelites. They ended up um, having to kill a lot of themselves. A lot of them died from plague because of their sin, and later. When um, the Reubenites were taking over land in the on the east of the um, of the Jordan, uh, ba- uh, Balaam was with the Moabites, and he was killed. He was put to the sword by the Israelites. In other words, the spiritual dangers that come when we go in a perverse manner against God, which is madness according to the Bible. It's a form of insanity. It will lead eventually to our physical destruction as well. The spiritual, this, the angel of the Lord standing where, there with the sword did in fact lead Balaam to the sword. He died because of this, of, because of going with the people of Balak, because of accepting, because he wanted their money, he wanted their honor. It led to madness. And that's where we're, we're, I think we're at. What, you know, what happens when a large group of people start going into a way that is madness to God, right? When they start rejecting not just the Word of God, but nature itself, and they start moving in a manner that is, in fact, against nature and against the revelation of God, then you get darkness. And we find in Jude 11 through 13, even though um, Balaam had declared that the Lord, Yahweh, was his God, and he was the only one he would obey with regards to what he would say, his desire for riches outdid his loyalty to Yahweh. And what happened was is that he went into eternal darkness, according to Jude 11 through 13, and is a picture of people who were involved in the church or who were involved in things that could be seen as right, but because of their greed, because of their lust for honor and things of the world, they go away from God and their end is eternal darkness. And so I think that we are on this path, on this path, we're already there, we're probably well beyond that. We are at a point of madness. We are seeing that, and and in society, obviously, some of that's natural, and that's always going to happen, because society is always going to be something that's against God anyways, because the devil is the, is the 
the, the God of this world. But the church is supposed to be the body of Christ. We are supposed to be the new man, which is something separated from the world. Uh, we are not that anymore in some places in the world. I'm not saying all over the world because there are very strong churches in very difficult places around the world who are taking persecution, and, and but they're living out what the Word of God says. We seem to not be doing that anymore. And Israel came to this point as well. Israel was removed. We know that God talks about this in Revelation. He talks about removing the lampstand from those places and sending churches in other places, which we know happened. Um, so there's a level of madness that has taken over where we know what the Word of God says, as Balaam did, but the striving to be a part of, say, uh, the social order or society, the security of having wealth, which is something that he wanted. He wanted wealth. Um, the, uh, you know, the ego itself wanting honor. He wanted honor amongst these princes and amongst the king here of Moab, Balak. He wanted all that, which is all things that we want. We all want those things. Uh, we want to be seen in a good light before people. We want to be liked by everybody. Those are sort of normal, natural things. But because the rest of the world is against God, when they tell you that they want to give you honor, that will lead you away. And when that leads you away, it leads other people away. Because one person's sin uh, will always affect other people. So the sin of Balaam, his desire for honor, for riches, for wealth, ended up being the death of a lot of Israelites. It then also ended up, you know, he could have been somebody who told the Moabites to repent. He could have been to someone who told the Moabites. They could have been as Rahab was, right? Or they could have been like the Gibeonites and decided to make um, some sort of arrangement or covenant between them and Israel so they wouldn't be destroyed. The Gibeonites were not destroyed because of the covenant they made with Israel. He could have told them that, but he didn't. And so it led to the destruction of the Moabites as well. So sin always affects other people. It will always will. And sin is, is not something that is normal or natural within our nature. That is not why God made us. Um, a lot of people these days seem to be taking their anthropology from Genesis 3 rather than from Genesis 1. The way that God made us in Genesis 1, there's a falling away in Genesis 3 where, our, where the spirit dies, but the, the very nature of who we are has not died. There is still the potential for transformation in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that was something that was always going to happen, right? So the, the, we need to look at our anthropology from the perspective of Genesis 1. That is when creation was, and that is the type of people we are expected to be. That is how nature is supposed to be. There's a natural order to things, and that is why God, uh, Paul tells us in Romans 1.20 that through the visible things, we can know invisible things, that we can actually tell those things from the visible things that are made. So nature has a way of revealing to us aspects of God's will and how we're supposed to behave with that. And so if we continue to go against those things, then those things will lead to our death. We have to remember that our image is still in the image of God, what was destroyed was the likeness. So in the Greek, the likeness is the homomium. And uh, in Romans 6, 5, it says, when we are baptized, we are now being baptized into the likeness of Christ, into the likeness of God, which in the beginning, when we were made, it says we're made in his image and his likeness in Genesis 1, 26. Now, the image in Greek is icon. The image in the 
Hebrew is a word like mat, and it, and it means a shadow of. And the icon is the image of whatever the archetype would be. So we're still in the image of God, whatever the archetype is supposed to be. So there's still a responsibility that we live according to a certain standard, which is why God gave us a conscience. And Paul talks about this in Romans 1 and 2, that people will be responsible for that at the, uh, when they're judged by God. But, but what the homomia is, the likeness, is that you are supposed to be something that's comparable to God, that your behavior is something that's supposed to be comparable to God, and that is what's being transformed and changed with the Holy Spirit of God. So our nature has not changed. We are still in the image of God. This is um, confirmed by Genesis 9 when he tells Noah that people who shed blood their blood must of, of people, their blood must also be shed because man is made in the image of God. So killing another human being is the same thing as killing uh, someone who's in the image of God. And we all know the image of God is, in fact, the Son of God. Is It is an eternal uh, part of God. It is an eternal person within the Godhead. The image of the invisible God is, in fact, Jesus Christ. So killing a person is trying to essentially ascend and say you're greater than God, which is why your blood must also be shed. So we're still in the image of God even after the fall. It is the likeness that had been destroyed. Our nature is still intact. And so there's um, sin itself is not natural. Going against or being perverse in our ways is something that is called madness. It is something that you have now gone beside yourself. You are outside of your mind. And that is anytime anybody is doing something that is against the way of God and against the natural order that God has set things up, that is called madness in the Bible. So it is something that is unnatural. And God is trying to restore that likeness of himself in us so that we can now act and behave as God would. So um, how do we get to... You know, I know we're already at this point because we're all fallen. We're all susceptible to sin because we we all are going to have the consequence of sin placed upon us, which is death. But how do we then change this way that we're going on? And the way that we do that is through repentance. And the word metanoia, metaneo, or I I don't know how to say it, but you know, it's Greek. But the meta means afterwards or a mark in time, and, and neo means to understand with insight. So after a certain point, we understand something. So repentance is changing one's understanding. So it's not merely to not sin, but to now actively do what is right. And James 4.17 uh, discusses this. So it's not about doing things that you used to do, but about living in a way that you never have before. So it's not necessarily turning around on that road and going the opposite direction. It's actually now going on a completely different road. So it wasn't just that that uh, Balaam was on the wrong road that was madness, was going the wrong way that was madness. It was the fact that he was on the wrong road. The road itself should not be one that's wide, but it should be one that's narrow. So it's not necessarily going a completely different direction. It's completely changing the fact of how you're traveling, right? You, the whole means of your traveling changes in repentance. You are becoming something that you have never been. You are walking a path you've never actually taken before. So repentance is the transformation that is required for salvation. Acts 2.38 and Acts 3.19 tells us this. And uh, so I think it's absolutely necessary that in churches we, we preach repentance 
um, faithfully. That's part of the whole counsel of God. We make sure that people understand that repentance is necessary to not fall into madness because we are moving towards a place of a, a sort of collective madness. And, and to some aspects, you could say there's a funny aspect to it. There's a comedic aspect because it seems so ridiculous and so absurd how things have gone. But then in another part, in an eternal sense, it's horrible. Um, we are going down a path of darkness that will lead ultimately to our destruction. Remember, it's not just spiritual destruction when you say somebody's going down the wrong path. It will lead to physical destruction. It will lead to death, and that death will lead to eternal darkness and to eternal torment. So we want to make sure that I think repentance is something that's absolutely a requirement when we're going to preach the gospel in any way that repentance has to be taught. We can't simply teach about the things of you have to believe in Jesus as the incarnation. You have to believe that he died on the cross and rose from the dead. We also have to teach people that they have to repent, that there's a reason why he went to the cross, why he had to be somebody who took on the curse, right? The only people who were hanged on a tree and were cursed, were they were hanged there because they had committed a sin unto death, according to Deuteronomy 21. 22 and 23. So what sin did we commit that deserves death? Because we all did. If we believe that Christ died for the sins of the world, which scripture says he did, that means we've all committed a sin that was worthy of death. And so what was that? We have to think to ourselves what what that sin was. How have we lived our lives? What road have we been going down? Are we going down that narrow way? So repentance is absolutely necessary to remove ourselves from the road of madness. And I would suggest that we all repent. We all probably need repentance, uh, not just for our salvation, but people who have already been saved may need to, to get down and repent and discuss how things are going wrong at the minute because things are going terribly wrong. So I just wanted to do that one on madness. I love that verse, Second Peter 2, 16. I think it's fantastic. Um, uh, in, a, in a comedic sense and also in a tragic sense. It has both elements to it, um, in it with regards to the whole of the, th- the, the theater of God, which is the world itself. So um, study those things. Let's come to a point of repentance. Let's come to a point where we're changing, where we're going to stop this collective insanity and madness that we are currently in the midst of. So I will talk to you next time. Uh, If you liked it, uh, hit the like button or subscribe. If you didn't like it, you can let me know. Uh, If you want to support, that's in the description as well. Thank you very much. I'll talk to you next time.